Most of us never learned how to train our brains, which is why most of us needlessly settle, struggle, and worse, suffer. My name is Chris Doris, and I want to make brain training mainstream. This is my series, Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm interviewing badasses from all walks of life on what mental toughness means to them and their unique approaches to strengthening their minds. Okay, welcome back to Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. And today we have a very special guest, a good friend of mine, longtime friend. We've known each other for several years. We actually used to work together. Um, superstar. Uh, let's see, before I even say his name, this, this cat and I just had, uh, we're about to have a conversation, of course, on mental toughness. And I think that our experience <laughs> over the last hour and 22 minutes may have been one of the most mentally challenging experiences of his life, which is really fascinating. This is how we leverage uh, the present moment. But um, <clears throat> this guy went to, uh, went to high school right down the street from me, about two miles east of here, Chandler High. It was a walk-on for the football team at Arizona State University. A walk-on, right? For folks that don't what, know what that means, that means you weren't recruited. That means you said, I, I think I'm good enough to go ahead and play on this Division I team, <clears throat> even though you might not, <clears throat> coaching staff. And, and then proceeded to get a scholarship and become the, um, what, the, you were the team MVP <laughs> as a junior, as a linebacker, the team MVP, right? And, uh, yeah. Uh, right, senior, uh, senior year Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year. You um, were drafted by the Rams. You were the 20th pick overall in the first round of the 2001 draft. You played for the L.A. Rams. Right. Uh, you also played uh, St. Louis Rams. I'm sorry. That's, yes. Right. St. Louis Rams at the time. That's incredible. That's the first time I've made that mistake the other way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> They're amazing. That's pretty cool. Um, the Washington Redskins and the Chicago Bears. You uh, in 2006, you were the highest paid safety at that point in NFL uh, history. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh huh. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a, kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> And um, you and here's another big deal. You benched 531 pounds. Boy, you've done a really nice job with your research and Thank you uh, very reading much. my bio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wikipedia is useful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and now, good. and now you're calling games on CBS. You're a broadcaster, which I can't wait to talk about that and the mental toughness required in that. And uh, as far as family life goes, you, uh, wife Jennifer and and kids Jet, Hawk, and Piper. Welcome, Adam Archuleta. I appreciate wow. your you're making time, um, and I know that you're, you're making at least twice as much time as we had planned on today, because seriously, we just did have one incredible technological experience trying to get and, this all set up. Yep, and you are really good at making people feel good about themselves, so thank you very much for the confidence boost this morning. <laughs> well, you're welcome. It's easy to do with, with people like you. So as you know, uh, the intent for these conversations <clears throat> is, of course, to share with the audience different people's perspectives of what mental toughness even means. They get to hear me talk about it and write about it all the time, but what I wanted to do is, is, is share with folks different people's perspectives on, on what that terminology even means to you, know, to, you to different people, mm -hmm. right? So, and what's it meant in your life? What role has it played in your life? What role has the absence of it played in your life? And, um, 
And then, you know, what, what do you, like, what are your practices? Like, how, what, are, what are the things that you've ever done in your life or that you might still do uh, that result in you strengthening the way that you use uh, your mind? So let, let's talk about it, man. Um, when I think about you uh, and your history, you are clearly someone that gets mental toughness, dude. You were, let, let's go back to, um, let's go back to ASU. All right. You were a walk-on. Walk on. Okay, so you you came from Chandler. You 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 were a standout at Chandler, right? Uh, yeah, you can say that. I was a good football player, and you know I was all state and won defensive player of the year by Channel Twelve News. So yeah, I was good. I was a good player, sure. <clears throat> so what does it mean? What does it like to walk on to a place like ASU? What is that? Well, you know, for me, I would say that um, from a very young age, I wanted to play in the NFL. And it was my number one goal that I set my sights on. Uh, I didn't know exactly how I was going to do it, but I knew that I had to get bigger, faster, stronger. But playing in the NFL was going to be my reality. And as my senior year in high school approached, I didn't get any scholarship offers. And so I saw my peers, the guys around the state, everybody was getting offers, all the articles in the paper, but I was not. So uh, I knew it was going to be a challenge. And... Um, got an opportunity, I would say, uh, in during spring football, uh, Arizona State spring football. Got a call from their one of their graduate assistants and said, "Hey, our linebacker coach would love to talk to you. We think that you know you might have a spot on this team." And um, I remember telling him, "I said, well, if you saw my bio, you see that I'm 185 pounds. <laughs> Not necessarily, you know, linebacker size and weight. Are you sure you've got the right guy, right?" <laughs> and they said, "No problem, no problem. We we know how big you are, but you know, our linebacker coach wants to have a talk with you." And it was interesting because when I I showed up to their their office. Um, we went into the defensive staff room and he puts on just right away, he puts on game tape. And I saw this guy running around at about small guy running around, making play after play after play. And he puts on the tape and he says, do you think you can do that? You know, this guy's about 205 pounds. And I said, sure it is. Of course that tape was Pat Tillman. So, wow. You know, wow. that was, you know, seeing that and seeing wow. a guy that was 40 pounds less than the average linebacker making plays, I thought to myself, well, shoot, if he can do it. And, and I didn't know much about Pat at the time. I said, if this guy can do it, I can do it. And <sighs> that pretty much cemented my decision to walk on at Arizona State. You know, you said something really interesting in all that, <clears throat> in the beginning of that. You said many things that were interesting, but the, the, the one in particular that I um, – that really stood out for me was you said I wanted to be an NFL player all my life since early on right in youth sure but then but then you said this you said I don't remember if you said I decided but you said I knew that was going to be my reality sure when did you know that um I I would say from the day it became a goal of mine when I was watching my my first football game with my dad on my couch I had to be four or five years old and it just seemed like that, it never left me. It never left me. And so from that point on, I knew that I had to get there, but then I, I had to figure out a way. And so that's, you know, that started my lifelong journey of collecting information. You know, how do I get bigger, faster, and stronger? How do I learn? How do I go out and meet people? You know, what do I have to do to be special enough to make it to the NFL. Okay. So that just started my journey and my path. That is one of the things that I find the most unique about you. 
<clears throat> and it's you know we'll, we have breakfast every now and again, right? And in Scottsdale, and we we get deep. We talk about deep stuff, and you know, and I love that. But what's really interesting about you is it doesn't matter what the subject is. Is like you do research, man. You you are interested. Yeah. yeah. Right. One of the most interesting interesting things I find about you is how interested you are in so many different things in life. And your willingness to just go, just go answer the question. Okay, well, what will this take, or what is behind this? What is right. this all about, right? What's required for that? So you're telling me that when when you were like a, a little kid, you had the dream of being an NFL player, right? Sure. Yeah. What was it? But what's so the question I have for you is: Did you know that though? Like, like you wanted it was a goal. Yes. 100%. Okay. I think it was more than a goal, though. It was, uh -huh. in my mind, I was a football player. Was I big enough, strong enough, fast enough, or good enough yet to play in the NFL? No, of course not. I was eight years old, or six years old, or 13 years old. Yeah. But in my mind, I saw myself as that was who I was. I knew now to actually achieve that, yeah. somehow, some way, it really came down to I had to get faster. I had to be... You know, that was a separating factor. So my entire life pursuit was basically how do I run a 4-3? How do I run a 4-4? How do I get fast enough to be in the NFL? Because I knew inherently in my mind that was going to be the deciding factor. That is so incredibly fascinating to me. <clears throat> now, we've, you and I have actually never talked this specifically about this. Sure. Um, and I'm glad, never for, asked. I'm, glad for, I'm glad for that. Because, well, because you never asked, Chris. <laughs> Some of the things I love about you. <laughs> You're so good at that too. <laughs> Sorry. So before I lose this train of thought, though, because this is fascinating, you you didn't have you didn't have physically what it took. You were not. Um, you didn't look like an NFL football player. No. You were small. Uh, normal. Okay, smaller than a typical NFL player. Sure, of course. Uh, okay, and it, but in your head, and this is the this is the point, is that um, you you wanted to play in the NFL, and and since you didn't necessarily have the stature, the physical stature, right, and maybe stats, right, of a of a typical um, NFL player, then you what you didn't do was go. Oh, well, maybe that's just not for me. And what you did do is say, okay, so then what's it going to take then? So what do I have to do sure. to go run, you know, for something 40? What do I have to do to put on the, uh, you know, the musculature? What do I, so what, what basically, okay, what's it going to take then? Right. That is not typical. Or maybe it is. I don't know. It's not typical sure. of most people. Maybe it's typical until we're educated about our limitations, but it doesn't matter. Here's the point is that's a really distinguishing variable between you and most people. Because as we grow, we're educated about our limitations, right? I, I mean, you tell can, me this. You can did, say that, did yeah. You, okay, did, how, how many times can you remember people saying to you, if you articulate it out loud, like when you're a kid, or even in high school, especially in high school, I want to be an NFL player. Did that, did you, do you remember people going, dude, come on, like you're not big enough, or you're not fast enough, or, or any of the kind of naysaying responses? You know, I, I wouldn't say that I went around advertising what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be. I think, you know, 
as most kids do, you you tell your mom and dad, you know. But um, well, I can well, just remember specific things though at, through my childhood at various stages. You know, for example, when I was I don't know roughly junior highish, let's say, I would visit a friend of mine in Wyoming where my dad lived, and and I would go work out every day, you know, and you know that wasn't typical of a twelve or a thirteen year old, but I would go to the gym. And I remember one of my friends asking me, he was a really good friend of mine, and he said, why, why are you working out so much? He said, it's not like you're going to go pro or anything. Oh, wow. So wow. Know, it was you know, comments like that. Or <laughs> you know, when I was a, a, a sophomore in high school, um, I was one of the only, the only players to play varsity. And I was a safety, but I was standing next to two seniors one day. It was our quarterback and our running back, and they were kind of talking against each other uh, about guys that were good on our football team. And one of them said, yeah, you know, so-and-so is pretty good. He said, but, you know, nobody on this team is ever going to make it to the big leagues. And it was funny because I was standing right next to him, and I just kind of looked at him and said, well, I didn't say anything out loud, but I said, well, well, I am. You know, I just kind of had that mentality. Yeah. So it's just, you know, whether it was coaches saying, well, you're not probably not fast enough to get a scholarship, which at the time I wasn't. Um, guys saying, you know, I think junior college is a better route for you was their way of saying that I wouldn't go to the NFL. You know, that's a, it, it's hard to project a high school football player saying you're going to be an NFL football player. You know, that's just not kind of a reality. But, you know, those are just kind of the comments that I was around my entire life, if that makes any sense. Well, of course. And so what, what also I hope makes sense <clears throat> is, uh, you know, so that, that's, that's unique I've worked with a lot of junior athletes over the course of my career, and um, the vast majority, vast majority of them, whoever wanted to play in the professional ranks in any sport um, would have reluctance articulating that out loud to me, their mental coach, in the beginning of the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and some of them, many of them, wouldn't, hadn't even articulated it out loud to themselves or to themselves. Sure. Right? So uh, what is your belief? So, so you're an outlier with respect to your expectations of yourself and, and your ability to not buy in, to, to actually stay transcendent to those kinds of comments. And I bet there's sure. so many more examples of those than you would even be able to remember. Sure. Where, where people would just like your friend, your buddy. That's incredible. You're, are you still friends with that person? The one who said, "Look, dude, why are you working out so hard? It's not like you're going pro." Uh, no, we're, we're no, we don't stay. I'm not very good at staying in touch with people. I kind of you say one of the things. Well, that's I, one of the things I I'm working so on because one you, of the, you harassed the <laughs> shit out of me. So um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but you know what? You, you made a great point, and, and as we get into this, I think part of a major component of merit being mentally tough is. Um, to not succumb to the outside noise, yeah. Everybody else, because all of that stuff is irrelevant to whatever it is you're pursuing. And I think that is in itself. You have to be a very mentally strong person to not give into that, to not listen to the guys saying, "Oh, you know what? Nobody's going to go pro on this team, or nobody's going to do this, or why are you doing this? That doesn't make any sense." You've got to. That focus, that enduring focus, I think, is, is one of the essential components of it. Okay. So, so let's say maybe a way of further developing your own mental toughness is by paying attention, being ready for those sorts of um, negative 
reactions to your desires and then choosing in the moment to, to uh, not buy them, to not buy into them, right? So as opposed to saying, um, you need mental toughness in order to do that. Maybe that's just a way that you strengthened your, that you improved your own mental toughness. Sure. And, and for whatever combination of reasons, I don't know. Um, why were you capable? Well, let, let me just ask you, how, why do you think it is that you're capable of that at such a young age? You know, I don't know if I can answer that. Um, you know, as a, you think back on your past and, and your, your successes and your failures and you kind of, you know, I'm an analytical person, so I always kind of look back and try and figure out what was it, you know, what was the recipe. Um, I do think one of the things that I was wired with is that ability to focus in on something and just eliminate all the noise and all the distractions and have that that kind of enduring quality to see it through and, and not having a not putting a time constraint on it not saying this has to happen by next week this has to happen by next month you know hey this might take five six seven years like who knows you know but just you you have to buy in and you have to stick with your plan and see it through regardless and I think that's been one of my qualities and how I how I receive that I have no idea hmm. Let's fast forward a little bit now to your current career. Okay, you're sure. a broadcaster. You're in the booth. You're still in the game. <laughs> you're inside it. And, and, um, and you were supposed to actually introduce me to Tom McCarthy, which you had yet to do. But anyway. Um, I don't like to int introduce uh, my friends to stalkers. He's not a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I never it. think of him like that. <laughs> that was good. I like that. Right on, right on. Yeah. Yep. I get sharper when I'm with you. Yeah, yeah I have to be sharp to hang with you. But yeah. you were, um, you're, are you an introvert? Uh, to the extreme. Uh, okay. Did you ever take the Myers-Briggs type indicator? Uh, no, but I'd love to. You never yeah. did. It would be no. interesting to see how you'd score on that. Extremely introverted. Yeah. Um, not as much now. I would still consider myself a strong introvert. Um, most of my life, extreme, borderline, I would say, social disorder. You know, just not, you know, a lone ranger all the way. And if, if I don't engage and I don't force myself, then I'm in my own world, man. And I can stay there forever. Okay, so you're on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's a... Who would have thought, right? <laughs> well, this is really interesting, right? Um, I think it was Paula. Wasn't Paula Boyvin wrote an interesting article on you? She's great. Yeah. Yeah, she's super great. Um, and she, she wrote an article on you a long time ago, and she, she, she referenced that part about your shyness, but now you're going into broadcasting, and those two things don't seem to, like, fit. Not at all. Yeah. So, so, so talk, let's talk about this. <laughs> uh, Why are you doing where, where this? Where would you thing? like to start? Okay, let's start with... Um, Okay, so when did that become even a point of interest to you? Even the thought of like, hey, maybe I'll call games. Yeah, um, I would say that when I finished playing football, I I took a couple years off to try and just figure out what's next because that's a that's a hard transition for guys. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I think that I have a unique perspective of the game. I think I, I see the game uniquely. I see it differently. And I, I think I could be pretty good at this. And so when I decided to make that jump, I went to what's called the NFL Broadcast Boot Camp. So 
short story when they take 25 annually, they take 25 current or former players. We all gather around at NFL Films in the auditorium. It's about a three-day boot camp where all the talent executives across the country are there. And it's almost like they're, they're kind of scouting you to see if you have what it takes to the next to transition into broadcasting. Mm. And so when I went there, you know, I, I bombed pretty bad. <laughs> I bombed pretty miserably. And I, you could see the extreme discomfort. Were you scared it, 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 shitless? Uh, it was it was nerve wracking because yeah. okay you know think about it um, imagine you go into this auditorium and you're around great players and they get up there and they say you know here's six topics study these topics tomorrow you'll pick one out of a hat and then you'll do your segment with James Brown right on NFL Today and so you're going to do your segment and then tomorrow night we're all going to get in here we're going to play your clip on the big screen in the auditorium at NFL Films. And you're going to get critiqued American Idol style by three of the top executives in television. Wow. Of everybody, right? So that's kind of the introduction. Wow. I don't think I was really equipped for that moment. And, uh, being on television in front of a camera for an, an introvert is, wow. you know, not, not, the, not the easiest thing. So that's kind mm -hmm. of the okay. intro. To All right. So can we slow down, time out for a second? Just pause the story right there. Okay, so you, you didn't feel like you were well-equipped for that. <clears throat> How can you be? I don't know. That's like uh, somebody who wants to play golf who's never golfed before, and you say, let's go play pebble. <laughs> well, how's that going to work out, right? Well, it, I guess it depends. I, I guess it all depends on how you're going to look at it. Yeah. Right? So how were you looking at it? Uh, you know, I didn't know, Chris. I I thought that so, I would go there uh -huh. and just do well because I know football and I did pretty good in my interviews and it would all work out. And it didn't. Okay. All right. Now, what happened? So I felt sorry for myself for <laughs> about six hours and I remember calling my wife and she asked me how it went. And I said, well, it didn't really go as planned, uh -huh. right? And basically, I had most more, most of the executives telling me that you know and they're pretty blunt that I probably didn't have a future in TV. And so someone that, they actually said that to you. Yeah. And it right. was funny because the guy from CBS, uh, Harold Bryant, who is the executive producer at CBS, he was maybe the harshest one. And I, I have this on tape, um, just his critique. And I, I specifically remember telling my wife, I said, you know, I doubt I'll be working for CBS anytime in the future because that guy really wasn't a fan. Right? <laughs> that's kind of wow. how it went. Mm. So it was, uh, it was a humbling experience, to say the least. And then what did you do with it? Um, so then I felt sorry for myself, and then I said, you know what? Um, I made the choice. I said, I'm going to make it in TV, and I'm going to do this. And I just set down a path. And I pretty much approached it as if I was a walk-on all over again at Arizona State. You know, that, wow. that same mentality. And knew that it was experience, it was reps, it was, you know, consistent studying and figuring out, you know, what is it that it's going to take to make me special to separate myself. And I just had to work my way up from doing, you know, local high school football games here in Arizona. Um, when I didn't have a game, uh, a friend of mine who's in the radio business, we would get a suite at ASU 
mm. and just call like a mock game in a suite as if we're on the radio. Oh wow! How whoa! That's so fascinating. That's incredible. I love that. Yeah. And, so, and I had them so you, you were acting as if. Yeah. And, and that's, I had them that's what you're talking about reps. When you say reps, repetitions you of you doing the thing. Sure. Um, just getting experience, getting experience, getting experience, sharpening getting your saw. experience, and not just getting experience, but, you know, one of the things that I learned, and I think you learned this as being a walk-on as well, is that I had the mentality that no job is too small for me. And so if I was doing it for free, if I thought I was better, but I was just doing this little high school game, if I was getting asked to do some small, small school across the country where I had to fly and I'm not making any money, you know, just never having the ego that I'm better than this, right? And wow. just embracing that moment, embracing that game, that opportunity, and knowing that that's exactly what I need to be able to hone my craft, to be able to move up. You know, that's, I think, what I learned from that process. Similar to being a walk-on, you know, look, hey, you're not the star. Um, there's a high probability you're not going to make it. Uh, the high probability you won't even make it an entire, you know, four years in college. Well, how long, how many, did you really think that? I think what? There's a high probability that I won't make it? Uh, no, not when I decided that I was going to make it in TV, no. But I'm just saying the general conventional thought out there is walk-on probability not going to make it. Yeah. Right? You keep using the word decided, and that is really important to me, okay, because that's a huge distinction. That's a huge distinction for me, right, in my work. When I talk about being all in or infinitely committed to something, the distinction is the difference between a goal and a decision. We did not premeditate this. We didn't plan this conversation whatsoever, but you keep using the word decision, and, and that's, that's something I want to elaborate on, okay? <clears throat> There's a difference between deciding and, and hoping, or a difference between deciding and trying. So, so are you, do not let me put words in your mouth. Are you saying that there was a point where, while you were entertaining the possibility, right? You're like, okay, what's next? What else am I going to do? You know, football playing is, is over, is behind me now. What else sure. would I like to invest in? And then you started toying with the idea of television. Was there a point at which you decided it would be your reality? That I'm it going was the, to make it in TV. It was the night, it was probably right after I got off the phone with my wife, um, after I was feeling sorry for myself at the, at the broadcast boot camp. It was that night when so you, I said, okay, this is, this is going to happen. That's, so enough of, the, that's enough of the BS, enough of the feeling sorry for yourself. Right. This is going to happen. Now what? And so then that's you, when you start your journey. So you, that was, a, okay, so this is a perfect example of using adversity, again, as fuel. In the same exact way that when you were standing next to that quarterback and running back, and they said, well, nobody on this team is going pro. And in your head said, sure. well, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> so, so the learning here is, <clears throat> is not letting external events that you could easily label as discouraging or um, – even worse, as disaster, because you could have walked away from that audition, if that's what it's even called, interpreting that as having been disastrous. Sure. And maybe you were for six hours. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I think it's, nor it's a normal human emotion when, you know, things don't go your way and you had a goal to 
kind of get down on yourself, right? I think that's kind of, I mean, anybody can relate to that. Sure. But maybe um, not everybody can relate to say this is enough, right? And go, and, how am I going to use so, this? I'm so going to use key, this. Right? And if it's really, I think you have to do an inventory and say, is this really what I want? Uh -huh. And if the answer is yes, well, then let's do it. Then it's on. Then nothing else matters, right? So, like, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Let's go. And so, and from that point on, I think once one thing that I think that has been one of my strengths in my life is that once I decide, then there's no wavering and there's no waffling and there's no, well, maybe did I make the right choice or not? It's, no, we're seeing this through. What do I have to do? And you're constantly, obsessively searching and working with seemingly no end in sight. Hmm. For, and, and without any guarantee. No guarantees. But that's not part of it because it's the journey, right? Mm. And if you – here's the thing where I think we get in trouble is mm. we, we try and put – time limitations on things like this has to happen by next year or next month or next week or I'm, I've got to be oh, at this that. I've got to be at X point in my job you know I've got to be making X by next year or whatever it is but I don't think it doesn't it doesn't work like that and so if you truly want to get where you want to be there is no there is no time you know, uh, one guy, you know, I want to rewind. I know we, we kind of jumped over the ASU stuff, but in my journey to, you know, develop myself, you know, one of the most instrumental mentors in my life was my trainer, Jay Schroeder. Yeah. And when I met him, he did so many things that changed my perception of what, what it took to become great. And I remember there are two, two examples that kind of pertain to this. When the first night I met him and we were talking about, you know, what are my goals? And I told him, I want to be in the NFL. Now, you imagine this kid who's 17 years old, runs a 4-8-40, and he's kind of cocky. He thinks he's pretty cool and feels good about himself. He's telling a guy that he wants to play in the NFL. And so he's asking me, you know, well, what do you run? What do you do this? And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm the strongest kid in my school. And he said, wait a minute. He said, who he, you know he cut he cussed uh -huh. but he said none of that what are you talking about who cares if you're the strongest guy in your school mm. you're trying to be the best in the world at something he said what you're doing now means nothing he said as, as long as you think that you're pretty good because you're the best at your school you've got nothing mm. right so like this isn't about you're trying to be the best in the world mm. and he used those words and he mm. said Nothing you're doing right now is even close. If you want to make it in the NFL, you better stop thinking that, you know, this is your ceiling, right? And the other thing that he said, and remember, this is a kid who is trying to earn a scholarship in one year who has no scholarship offers. He said, if what, if what you want to do is true, it's not going to happen next year. He said, this is going to take five or six years. He said, this is going to happen when you're 23, 24 years old. You are not going to be fast enough next year. You may not even get a scholarship next year. But this has to be a five or a six-year plan. If you do what I say, then it'll come together when you're 23, 24 years old. And I had to buy into that. Now, remember, you're a 17-year-old kid, and you're saying, wait a minute, i got to get a college scholarship next year. All this right. guy's talking about there might not even be five years. You know, what are you talking about? 23 years old, I might not even – 
right? But then I had to make a choice and decide and say, you know what, I'm in. And then I did everything he said, and lo and behold, five or six years later, at 23 years old, I run a 4-3, and I'm, you know, first-round draft pick. So I think that that time, time cannot be a factor in any of this in your decision-making. I truly believe that. That is so interesting because that really that's it, that flies in the face of so many different like goal setting theorists, right? <clears throat> like the, the, all this like research on how many more. Um, and I looked at something like this recently. Like there's a significant number, a difference between how many how often um, people reach their goals when they don't versus when they do actually put a time stamp on it. And what does that say? It says that so many more people, when they put a time, say, say I will do it by then versus I'll just do it, uh, that more people actually achieve the goal. I don't know how accurate the research is, but, the, but what you're saying is very different. And I actually love it because you're saying, I don't, I don't care about the time, right? Uh, I'm doing it well, because I, I want to. We, well, I think yeah, we, we do. I'm, I'm not going to be discouraged by the time. I'm not going to let the time stop me. I'm not going to let my – well, let me ask you this. How long did it take? It didn't take till you're 23 or 24, did it? What? Jay told you it would be a five or six year project. Uh, I did not run. Uh, look, here's the deciding factor. You could be the best football player. You could be the best whatever. If you're not fast enough, you're not going to make it. So it's about speed. And I got better and better. And I got faster. And I got as my career developed at ASU. But I wasn't ready to run that fast until I was 23 years old. That's how long it was going to take. So and, I, right. and to this day, I don't, I don't really know anybody who documented at you know, 17, ran a 4.8, 4.9, and then five years later ran 4.3. Um, I don't think that's, that's really been done. You know, most people are fast their whole lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, your dog seems to agree with you. Yeah. I think I'm interpreting. Um, that's the way I'm interpreting the bark. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So anyways, my, my, I guess my point is in, in my life and when I, when I see people and talk to people, you know, of course we want it to happen now, right? I'd rather, if it, I'd rather do something in one year than five years, but if it's something I truly, truly want and I truly want to be great and yeah. I truly want to be the best in the world, well then it doesn't matter. I can't yeah. stop three years. Because then what if uh, I stopped six months early, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't reach my goal, so I'm going to stop? Mm-hmm. You just, no, you go. And if you, if you don't reach it, you just keep going and you keep trying and you keep trying to figure it out. And eventually, you'll get there. What do you think about the phrase, no pain, no gain? <clears throat> uh, you know, I don't know what that means, really. Um, <laughs> I think it's irrelevant. <laughs> Quite honestly, I I, 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 I don't know what to say about it. Um, does that mean that things have to be painful to succeed? I, I don't even know what it means. I just think, I, I think it's more the journey and the process to me. I think um, whatever it is you want to accomplish, um, the journey is going to have major, major adversity in it. And it's going to have major pitfalls and major obstacles. And it's up to you to find a way to overcome those obstacles by any way, shape, or form. And I think it's that, that ingenuity that you have to come up with 
when you face an obstacle that seems insurmountable mm. is what ends up giving you the tools necessary to take that next step. And so I really think that that creativity and that process is what separates achieving your goals um, and not achieving your goals. You know, one thing I think, Chris, that in, in my humble opinion, um, we, we tend to take time spent practicing as progress. But it's not a participation grade. It's not just, oh, I practiced 10,000 hours, so therefore I should be there. It doesn't work like that. Mm. You have to find a way to make yourself special and unique, and you have to have a creative solution to whatever you're trying to do because it can't be somebody else's path. And just because you put five years into it doesn't mean you're good enough to achieve your goal. You have to be smarter. You have to be more creative. You have to be more inventive. And you have to do, over, do that over the long haul. I, I truly believe that. I think it's manifested in my life. I think you're right. I think it still is. <laughs> it is. <clears throat> Brother, there is so much gold in this conversation. Uh, I want to thank you so much, Adam, seriously, for making time. Is that it? That's all you got, man? <laughs> That's not all I got. But the, but the, but the, the research on attention span would have me yeah. want to go ahead and maybe we'll reconvene. Huh? Okay, we can, we can talk we, more. We should have a part two because there's, I think, you know, you and I, we, we have the tendency to get into some pretty cool stuff that uh, is a lot of fun for me, quite honestly. Okay. I think Let's where, anytime I have a chance to talk about this stuff, it's almost as if I, I get to keep reinforcing and teaching myself, you know, yeah. about tools and, and, you know, very rarely do, do you have a chance to have a conversation with somebody that can bring out these things and these qualities in you. I think it's, I think it's therapeutic. I couldn't agree with you more. So let's make the pledge that um, on round two – <clears throat> right then what we'll do is we'll have another conversation like that's more typical of the conversations that we've been having lately which is applying all everything that we just talked about to whatever else in life deal yeah that sounds great that'll be fun and yeah. that'll be fun for the audience so thanks brother i really appreciate your making the time today one last question um <clears throat> with respect to decisions you guys you and jennifer decided to name your kids jet hawk and piper yeah yeah that those are some cool names and those are not typical names yeah i love it is there is there a theme going on here uh no there sure sounds like it yeah well i know there's an av aviation thing yeah but there's it an aviation thing going but that's just but that's purely coincidental it didn't even dawn on us until somebody, <laughs> after they were born, they're like, oh, is somebody a pilot or somebody in the Air Force? And I was like, no. So why do you ask? And they're like, That's well, great. That just worked out that way. That's cool. Yeah. Right on. So, Beautiful. Maybe because we, uh, the Archuleta family mm. is reaching for the skies. There right? it is. There it is. is that maybe that's Soaring the thing, right? the highest heights. <laughs> I subconsciously, we want to program that's, our kids to just, go. hey. To soar. You know? Absolutely. Right on, dude. <laughs> you That's got awesome. it. That's it. There That's it is. It. There it is. That's yeah. your new answer. Yeah. <laughs> right on, man. Thanks again, buddy. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. All right, man. Anytime. All right. Take care.